This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Embarrasses Kansas State up in Ames, Iowa, 45-0 as the Cyclones dominate the Wildcats from start to finish. Oklahoma picks up a statement victory over Oklahoma State, 41-13 the final down there in Norman. And for the first time in a couple weeks now, we've got five games of football coming up this weekend in the Big 12 Conference. We'll be previewing those games as well as recapping those two that we had from this last weekend here today on the 10 of 12 podcast. Should be a lot of fun. We'll have Colin Kennedy from OU Insider. He'll be joining us to talk about that Oklahoma State victory in Bedlam. Um, Got a lot to digest from this weekend. I know we only had two games, but there is a lot to talk about um, from both of these ballgames. Should be a lot of fun here. Of course, second half of the show, we'll also be getting into um, our power rankings. There was a lot of movement up at the top as Kansas State was blown out, and there is a new number one hint, hint. It is Oklahoma as the Sooners are just unstoppable right now. I mean, I know Iowa State had an impressive win of their own on Saturday. I totally get that. We'll be talking about why I have these teams where they are in the second half of the show, but there is no denying that Oklahoma is doing something special down there um, in Norman at this point in the season. I get it. Oklahoma already lost to Iowa State early on, um, but we'll save that here for the second half of the show, um, getting into the power rankings as well as previewing Saturday's games um, and kind of the Vegas odds uh, for next weekend in the Big 12 Conference. We've got a game actually on Friday, um, which is Texas hosting Iowa State. That should be a pretty good game the day after Thanksgiving, give you some more football um, after the full slate of NFL games on Thursday. So um, we'll, we'll get to that there in the second half of the show. First half here, we've got two games to get into, like I said. We'll start it off here with Kansas State and Iowa State. 45-0, um, to zero, like I said, this one was pretty much over before it even started. Um, in Kansas State, I mean, I'd, I guess it's a little unfair to say that because the first drive of the game, they went down um, all the way down the field. It was an 80 or 90 yard drive or something like that. And they come up empty um, at the two yard line on fourth and goal. So Kansas State, obviously, after, you know, a very, very, very bad, you know, basically rest of the game after that, they had a good game plan to start off the game. And I don't think that. Kansas State really ever had a chance, uh, you know, to win this football game. But I think it's fair to ask the question here, okay, what if Kansas State just goes down the field here um, on that first drive and they score three points? I, obviously, I think we can we can all agree that, that obviously K-State might lose 45-3, to three, um, you know, instead of 45-0. to zero. But, you know, what, what if, you know, what if you see points on the board? What if you're Will Howard and you don't have to press too much because you're still – you know, kind of in that game. I, I don't think K-State had much of a chance to win this game, but um, that was pretty much the moment in the game right there when K-State came up empty on fourth and goal, um, where Iowa State just completely ran away with this football game. Um, I mean, it was embarrassing. And Kansas State, I, I know that there's a lot of frustration with this team. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of ironic. It's kind of funny here. Um, if you're a K-State fan, odds are that you, you are coming into the season saying, hey, this season doesn't matter. It's the COVID year. Let's just get our freshmen some playing time. Let's kind of see and evaluate who we are and what we can do um, moving forward. You know, you know, things of that nature and just saying, hey, this season does not essentially matter. There's no need to really get um, upset this season. And <laughs> now here you are. I know there's some Kansas State fans who, who still do think that and would agree with me that, yeah, this season doesn't matter. But there's also some Kansas State fans. I think I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little frustrated with this football team, right? Um, you know, there's fans out there that are angry, and rightfully so. Don't get me wrong here. Kansas State has been 
pretty bad these past three games. Obviously, you lose a game in Morgantown to West Virginia, uh, and then you, you drop a close one to Oklahoma State that you almost should have won, and then you get blown out 45-0 to Iowa State. So there is there is a level of frustration. I, I 100% totally get that if you're a Kansas State fan, but you've got to take a step back and realize um, in what yourself, I, I'm sure you listening here, you probably told yourself this, um, you know, back in August, maybe July or September, early on in the season, hey, no matter what happens here, it's going to be okay because this season does not even matter. We talk about it a lot. Um, you know, whoever even wins the national championship this year, they're going to call themselves national champions, of course, but everyone around the country is going to put an asterisk by that, um, by that school's name simply because this is the COVID year. You've only got a handful of schools, which is kind of crazy that K-State's not one of them here, Iowa State as well, um, who have not had a game canceled. They've had a full slate of football. Um, Not many schools around the country can say that. So, you know, this is the COVID year. Obviously, you're getting a a lot of valuable um, minutes for Will Howard at the quarterback position. But that's also something I want to talk about as well. Moving forward, what do you do? If you are Kansas State at quarterback, I know that Skylar Thompson's got his year of eligibility left if he wants to take it. Now it's it, a month or two ago, I was thinking, hey, Skylar, you shouldn't play, okay? Give these guys, Will Howard, Rubley, whoever it is, give them the opportunities next season to really develop into that quarterback that you need in the Big 12 Conference, okay? If he wants to stay in Manhattan and he wants to coach, I'm totally, I'm all on board with that and, 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 I, not even coach, but just be you know there to kind of guide those young guys, right? I I, I think if I'm Will, if I'm Skylar Thompson now, looking at Will Howard's performance over the past couple of games, and even let's be honest here, over the whole season, he has not been impressive. I don't think there's any denying that Howard needs to do better. Obviously, he's a freshman thrown into the situation, so I'm not putting any blame on on Will Howard for this, but. At the same time, he's got to be a lot better. And, you know, Wildcat fans are, you know, there's some angry ones out there that are calling for Jake Rubley, okay? Oh, Rubley can't come soon enough. He's going to he's gonna fix this. I mean, he's not. Okay, Jake Rubley is going to be a freshman next year, okay? It's going to be an exact replica of what we're seeing out of Will Howard this season. So if you're one of those people who wants Will Howard gone, um, your argument to that better not be, oh, Rubley's going to be better. Because guess what? Maybe in four years from now, three years from now, two years from now, sure, Rubley can be the better quarterback, and I actually personally think Rubley will be better than Howard when it's all said and done. But when you're looking at next season, okay, Will Howard, Jake Rubley, it's tomato-tomato. They're going to be the same exact player um, on the football field. So I think if you're Skylar Thompson, you're, 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 you're Coach Kleiman, um, you know, you're, you're Colin Klein, whoever kind of goes into that decision, I think you look at it just with, with, with this viewpoint here, okay? K-State's not going to be that good next year if Howard or Rubley is playing quarterback, okay? And that's just my personal take. If you disagree with me, that's okay. But clearly, if they have Rubley, another freshman, they're not going to be that good. That's just plain and simple. Look at what happened this year with Howard, okay? I think Howard can make some steps forward next year, sure, but I don't think he's going to compete for a Big 12 title or anything like that. I I really don't. So, you know, the argument to Skylar not coming back next year and playing is that he's kind of halting the progression of, of, of Howard and Rubley. And I totally get that, but at the same time now, um, you know, why not? K-State's got a chance to be good next year, right? If, 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 if Thompson wants to come back, I don't think that he's necessarily halting anything, you know, simply because K-State, if you, I guess let me, let, me, let me backtrack here, okay? If you want K-State to be good next year, you want Thompson to come back, okay? Because K-State's not going to be good with Jake Rubley or Will Howard under center, okay? They're just not. They might win some games. They might win a game against TCU, you know, by a touchdown um, where the defense bails them out, you know, stuff like that. But overall, um, I think it's really worth revisiting that argument. I'm not saying that um, Thompson should or shouldn't, but I think it's a very um, – you've got to be troubled if you're a K-State fan because next season might be a real season, you know. <laughs> we might have a, a hopefully, you know, knock on wood a vaccine, um, we should have a full slate of football next season. I'm not confident in that, but you know, let's let's be real here. We're, we're, that would start in what you know August, September. So you would hope that next year is going to be normal. So if, if Skyler wants to come back, I'm actually okay with that now. I don't think it makes much of an uh, of an impact as people think it would on Howard and Rubley. I get it; they're not getting the playing time, but at the same time, man, 
if you if you want four three or four years from now, um, sure, go for it. Go for Howard and Rubley um, next season. But if you want, um, you know, that instant kind of success, and I, I I still do think that Howard and Rubley can grow if they care enough, if they want to watch the film and talk with Skyler on a daily basis about what they can do better and kind of analyze the game, you know, be a sponge and just take it in for a season. If they want to do that, I personally think that's a great idea just because Skyler is, I, I think that we're all, if you were a Skyler critic, and I was as well, you're realizing he was a pretty good quarterback in comparison to to Will Howard. So, I mean, that's just kind of a side note that I, um, you know, wanted to briefly touch on. Um, let's take a step back here and get back to this football game. Uh, there'd be remiss. I've been talking a lot about Kansas State here. There'd be a remiss if we didn't talk about Iowa State. They played well. They kicked K-State's butts. And, you know, Brees Hall did it all on the ground. Brock Purdy did it through the air. Um, it was just, it was too easy. He only carried, uh, Hall only carried it 15 times, 135 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. So, you know, by, what, fourth quarter, maybe even before that here, we saw the reserves <laughs> coming into the game. For both teams, and I think it's kind of funny. You look at Nick Austin; he didn't really do um, anything well. And and I was one of those people who was saying, "Hey, give Nick Austin a chance, okay?" Even this was going back to the West Virginia game um, when it was a blowout. Give Austin a chance, okay? And obviously, I think we saw that Nick Austin probably is is no better than Howard. I totally get that, but I would, I just, I'm glad that we got to see him. Um, he was given a chance, I guess, at some snaps and. Clearly, I think that Howard is the guy moving forward. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, uh, y- y- you know, it's going to be a long two games, I- I'm afraid, if you're a Kansas State fan moving forward. You've got a game against Baylor, and then you've got a game against Texas here in Manhattan, Kansas. Um, those are coming into this probably, I-, I wouldn't even say coming into this season, let's say, Three weeks ago, before that West Virginia loss, you're thinking, yeah, K-State can win both of these games. Now you're going to be thankful <laughs> if they can just get one victory um, out, of, out of either of those two. So, you know, K-State got blown out by Iowa State. Um, I don't know what else there is to say about this. Um, I mean, probably I was talking about this on Go Power Cat um, on Wabash Station. I would say Vanderbilt in 2017, um, that's the first game that came to my mind when I thought of a game that really was, um, you know, embarrassing or frustrating or, you know, just kind of got to me a little bit. I mean, I was kind of checked out of this game before halftime because it was like, okay, K-State's not going to win this football game, you know? Um, If you're a K-State fan, though, that Vanderbilt game in 2017 on the road um, certainly was... I've I've never been more frustrated, I think, as a K-State football fan than that game. Certainly, this one was more embarrassing on Saturday for K-State. Um, but but like I said here, I, I feel bad not talking about Iowa State enough. But they just played a really good football game. I mean, Kansas State just wasn't prepared after a bye week. Iowa State was. And I also mentioned this um, on the 10-12 Top 10 here on Go Power Cat as well, that you you got to give Iowa State a lot of credit for this game. Like I said, they've got a game coming up against Texas um, and that game's on a Friday uh, as well, so it's not a Saturday game. It's a day early, so that is one you know less day of, of preparation for for that matchup you know down there in Austin. So you know, give Iowa State a lot of credit for being ready for this game um, on you know last Saturday. So it's kind of cliche to say, but you know you don't want to overlook anyone. Um, you know, K State's probably not as good as Texas. I think we can agree on that. Unfortunately, you know. Unfortunately speaking, I think the Longhorns are in a, a lot, you know, they're in a better position than Kansas State. So, I mean, if you're Iowa State, it's very easy to look over the Wildcats and be focused singularly, singularly, pardon me, on Texas on Friday, but they weren't. They came out, they were ready to go, um, and they got that win, and they handled it like men, and it was just an, another day at the office at the football field for Iowa State, man. As for Kansas State, I don't know where they were mentally. Physically, I don't. <laughs> I mean, Kansas State looked like. I mean, I, I don't even know what went wrong. I really wish I had some more analysis or um, so, something to say about it. I don't know what went wrong. I just think Kansas State's not that good. I think Kleiman did a poor job of preparing his team for this game. Was K State banged up? 100 million percent. Of course they were banged up, but I feel like in today's COVID world, that's not an excuse. Okay, Coach Kleiman would say the same thing. Um, you know, Coach just wants to play football. 
if he's got the absolute minimum number of players needed to play, he's going to play. He's shown us that time and again, of course, against Iowa State, against Oklahoma early in the year. You know, K-State wants to play, but that's no excuse because I think that this is a lot deeper than just missing a few you know, Justin Hughes and Sullivan on, on the defensive side of the football. Uh, this was a lot deeper than just a few inactives. Kansas State was not ready for this game. I, I mean, they didn't score a single point um, up there in Ames. I know they had a chance early on the first drive, but after that, um, Iowa State just never looked back with that lead. They jumped out to um, early on uh, up there in Ames. That's kind of wrapping things up uh, for that game, an embarrassing 45-0 loss. For the Wildcats, I mean, it was it was it was what thirty-five to zero um, at the half. The over/under was actually, I believe, 47, 48, and you know, thirty-five zero. You're thinking, okay, I bet the over. I'm golden here, and, and actually, the under hit because um, Kansas State couldn't score, you know, a single point. So uh, tough break if you bet the over. If you bet the under, you're very fortunate um, for that one. Of course, Iowa State covered with ease, um, winning it by forty-five points. Kansas State, I don't know if they've ever. Um, embarrass themselves that much okay Iowa State's a good team I don't want to take anything away from them um but what was that a few years ago as well where they got absolutely you know blown out by Oklahoma um Oklahoma's Oklahoma right if you get blown out by Oklahoma you know it's never a good thing to get blown out but hey (laughs) at least it's Oklahoma right you you okay State fan you go back to 2010 you get absolutely embarrassed at home against Nebraska yeah you know, at least it's Nebraska. You know, the season following, I think Oklahoma actually blew out K-State there in Manhattan. At least it's, you know what I mean? At least it's Oklahoma here. And nothing against Iowa State um, at all. But when it's Iowa State, I think it makes it a little bit more um, embarrassing and hard to take in if you're a Kansas State fan. You know, the rivalry, If it, you know, is it a rivalry? Yes or no? I don't, I'll leave that uh, for you to decide. But certainly this is much more than just a regular Big 12 game. Um, so, uh, a frustrating loss for Kansas State. You have every right to be angry at this team if you're a fan, but at the same time, be real with yourself. Okay, this is the COVID year. When it's all said and done, I don't know if if many people are going to take this season as seriously as we um, perceive ourselves to, you know, be taking it right now. So, take a step back, realize what's happening here. Will Howard's getting some valuable minutes at the quarterback position. Messingham's had some iffy calls. Um, you know the wide receivers are, are very. I don't want to say bad because that's kind of that's kind of harsh and, and mean to say. But K State's wide receivers are are pretty bad, right? They're you know that's not a knock on them. Malik Knowles has not been on the same page as the rest of his group. You know Youngblood's gone. Um, you know Dalton Schoen. I think we realized that 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 K State misses him a lot more um, than we realized coming into the season. Um, you know, you've got a young offensive line that's struggling. So it's, it's a combination of many things. Um, you know, the play calling, the, the young team uh, moving forward. I think K-State can learn a lot from this, not only this game, but this season. Um, I think if you're climbing, do not let this game um, escape your, the minds of your players, okay? This is not one of those games where right after the final, you know, second clicks off to zero, you're focused on, on your next game, Baylor, no. You've got to let this one sting for your team. I'm sorry, but you've got to let them kind of, you know, acknowledge uh, how bad that game really was. I mean, I've never seen a K-State team look that bad um, after a few weeks ago being 4-0, and you know, in the Big 12 play. So that'll, that'll wrap things up for that game. Kansas State, Iowa State, 45 to nothing. It was an embarrassment for Kansas State fans. Um, but they've got a winnable game at Baylor. We'll talk about that here. Uh, second half of the show, Iowa State moving forward. They've got a game uh, down there in Austin against Texas on um, on on Friday. So, real quick here, Kansas and, and Texas didn't play on Saturday. They were postponed due to COVID nineteen. Um, I, I just want to throw that in there real quick. I think there'd be some remiss if I didn't you know mention those two schools. And um, we you know we were supposed to have three games this week in the Big Twelve football. Only had two because of the COVID cancellation. And honestly. <laughs> I, you know, when that happened, you're thinking, okay, great, we've got K-State, Iowa State, and we've got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, we've got two great games. I mean, these were blowouts. Iowa State won it by 45, and then Oklahoma won it by, what, 28 points? So, you know, it's it's, it's a COVID year, and, you know, honestly, I, th- I wish we would have had some some Texas-Kansas, because I think that, that honestly, I know people might call me crazy, but I think Kansas is, is bound to make a football game a game sometime soon. I'm not saying they're going to beat Texas, but KU... 
I mean, they're gonna they're gonna at least cover a spread sometime soon um, in the Big Twelve Conference. Um, we'll, we'll shift our focus here over to Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, forty-one to thirteen, the final down there in Norman. Game day was there. A really, 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 really good atmosphere, um, if I must say so myself, down there um, in the Sooner State. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma picking up a big time win over the Cowboys, kind of moving themselves up into first place of the Big 12 standings. Um, I guess not standings because Iowa State still, of course, sits there. Um, First place in my rankings, I I, I should say. Um, That was impressive. Oklahoma looked really good from start to finish. Um, We'll bring in Colin Kennedy from OU Insider. He is basically the OU expert in my mind. He knows all things OU. Um, If you're a Go Powercat subscriber, you've got the membership already. Head over to OU Insider. You can check out you know, everything going on um, with regards to the Sooners. But um, we'll bring in Colin here. Colin, how's it going today, man? Doing well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, taking time with me. And we'll get, kind of get right into things here. Um, you know, 41 to 13, what are your kind of initial thoughts, takeaways from this game? Yeah, I, I felt like going into this one, I just never really bought into the Oklahoma State hype. I wrote about it on OU Insider a couple of times. In pregame, I had picked Oklahoma to cover the spread. And it's simply because right now, Oklahoma has hit that stride, right? I mean, everyone's talking about it. This is probably one of the hottest teams in America, if not the hottest team in the country. And Oklahoma State, to that point, hadn't necessarily faced the level of competition that would probably prepare you for what OU was going to try and do. And I think, honestly – in full transparency, man, I wasn't necessarily impressed with what OU did on Saturday night, and they still won 41-13. And I, I have to do this report card after every game, and I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm not impressed, but at the same time, it's hard for me to give a lot of these position groups less than higher grades because of simply what was produced. I mean, you look at the stat sheet, Oklahoma State's held to about 2.8 yards per carry, and that's a team that relies heavily on the run, obviously. Then, of course, Spencer Sanders going down is one thing, but Oklahoma, I thought, did a really good job of trying to handle Tylen Wallace. Of course, I thought the Oklahoma State staff made some questionable calls, and Shane Illingworth is a guy that's kind of thrown into the fire. But at the same time, like I always say when it comes to these OU games, especially defensively, it's just about what happens at face value. And I think if you really evaluate what this team is at face value, it is one of the more talented teams in the country that just needed to put the puzzle pieces together. And I think that's exactly what you saw and what you'll continue to see as the season progresses. Um, at this point in the season and, you know, with regards to what happened on Saturday, what impresses you more, this this defense or offense for Oklahoma? Oh, it's the defense by far. It's just shocking, right? It's, it's crazy. I mean, everyone is kind <laughs> of caught off guard because we're talking so much about OU defense these days. But it's justified because – Alex Grinch has done exactly what I think a lot of people anticipated he was going to do, but I think he's done it on a much faster pace than some expected. And I think a lot of credit has to go, obviously, to the defensive line. I mean, that's probably the sole reason why I am so impressed with the OU defense. It's because this defensive line is arguably the highlight of the team. Yes, Spencer Rattler has been very good in his redshirt freshman season, OU's found some nice playmakers in Marvin Mims and Austin Stogner. And obviously that offensive line has been really, really good. But when you talk about this defensive front for the Sooners, it's a one of the more dominant groups that the program has seen in a long time. I mean, Ronnie Perkins coming back was huge, obviously. But Nick Benito is one of the best pass rushers in America, period. Isaiah Thomas has really played well and has honestly been a little bit more of a leader than I think a lot of people have given him credit to. And then Perrion Winfrey, the JUCO transfer, who was so hyped, he he needed time to adjust. But as he has adjusted, he has met the level of play like those other guys. And now, I mean, those four together have become nearly unstoppable. So for me, it has to be the Oklahoma defense right now, and it has to be because that defensive line has put it on its shoulders. Now, there are still things to improve, obviously. You know, the defensive backfield, there are ups and there are downs. But the linebackers are getting better that those corners are, are really starting to find themselves. I think like Woody Washington is a young guy who was really impressed throughout the year. And DJ Graham showed flashes and he's a true freshman. And obviously those safeties they they have experience. It's just about 
continuing to find themselves and build that confidence. And I think that they can, because a lot of those guys are not only good football players, but good people. So the OU defense for me, man, has been the storyline of the season. And I would really shout out the defensive line while we're talking about it, because they've just been simply outstanding. Uh, overall on the season, how would you kind of give Spencer Rattler a, a letter grade, so to speak? I know that I've, I mean, there's a lot of people around the country that have been pretty critical of him, um, especially over, I, I guess not now, but, you know, over the first few games, he was catching some criticism. Um, and I was certainly one of those people. But over the last, what, four or five games, he has been pretty, I mean, pretty much unstoppable. But as a whole, we take a, a kind of a, a step back here. How would you rank his performance? How would you grade his performance this season so far? Yeah, I'd give it a B, right? I think that's kind of the ballpark you're talking about when it comes to Rattler's play this year, taking some losses. He had the turnover bug bite a couple of times. But, I mean, here's the thing, man. Everyone knew, especially those who have evaluated him in the past and have been around him, that he was going to progress and put those things together. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, Rattler has a mindset that I, I felt like had to be matured for the Division One level. He he needed to learn to, to sometimes take what the defense is giving him or, or just try not to play hero ball because for so long he's been the best player on the field, no doubt. And now it's, okay, I have to figure out what these defensive coordinators are trying to do and then just simply feed off of that. He's really done that well. I mean, obviously Oklahoma State's defense is one of the most vaunted units in the conference and look what he did to them. And, and there was an offensive lull too. So – I think I would put him right about the B mark because, okay, there were turnovers, there were losses, but at the same time, he has really showed great efficiency with the ball. I think his decision-making has rapidly improved. And he's he's been an excellent leader, man. I mean, for a guy his, his age, he has taken it upon himself to be that locker room presence and field presence that's needed on this OU football team, a group that is young and or inexperienced at a lot of different areas. And so I really like what I've seen from him. And I think that letter grade will continue to grow because obviously there's more football to be played. But right now, that's where I would have it. Which team around the Big 12, um, you know, if you're an Oklahoma fan, is going to scare you the most? Is it Iowa State? Is it Texas? Yes. I know they've got a good game coming up on Friday, but. Uh, you know, which of those two teams, or is it maybe a team like West Virginia who can maybe squeak in there um, on Saturday? Who who do you think can give OU a run for, a run for its money coming up here down the stretch? Yeah, I, I'm not overlooking the West Virginia game by any stretch, right? I think that defense is really, really strong. I know going into this past weekend, they were top five in total defense, if I remember correctly. They were well up there. Those Mountaineers have done a great job on that side of the football, and obviously – Jared Daigie, Letty Brown. I mean, they have players like TJ Simmons who can really make you sweat. But obviously Texas comes to mind because of simply the rivalry factor and what the Longhorns have been able to build from a familiarity standpoint in facing Lincoln Riley. But I have to go with Iowa State this season because that defensive structure is always going to give OU fits. I think that Matt Campbell has done an outstanding job of convincing his guys that they can meet and even be better than Oklahoma on the field week in and week out, which I don't know that that's the necessarily the case across the conference and it shows, but whenever you play Iowa state, they're going to want to play you tough. And, and Oklahoma has obviously had an extreme issue facing the cyclones either on the road or at home. It doesn't even really matter who's a quarterback, but now the cyclones have a guy like Brock Purdy who, you really have confidence in at times to, to up his level of play and go and get a team like the Sooners. So for me, specifically this season, when you're talking about the conference, I, I feel like it would be Iowa State. And obviously there there is a position and situation where those two teams would meet in the conference championship. I hope that is the case because obviously Oklahoma would like to avenge that loss. But also I think it would be a great measuring stick for us to see how far this team has come since that loss against the Cyclones. At this point in the season, in, in my mind, I don't know if there's any team that's really um, shattered expectations or really underperformed. I know at the beginning of the year, Oklahoma was one of those teams that was struggling. You know, K-State was really on fire, and now they've come back down to earth. So so for me, there really isn't a, a team that sticks out as a, a shock or a surprise. Is there anyone, um, any team to you that, that kind of sticks out that, that you weren't kind of expecting to, to play the way that, that you know they've been playing this, so far? Yeah, I, I'm going to go with TCU, man. I, I really felt like the Horn Frogs going into the year 
had a real opportunity to make some noise in the conference. And I think a lot of people felt the same way. Now, I would also credit that to, okay, the, the Duggan situation in the preseason was mm-hmm. not great. And I'm yeah. glad that he's feeling better. But that offensive line is atrocious. And I wrote about it in my Big 12 preseason preview. If TCU can just protect him, they have a ton of weapons. Now, those weapons still haven't really progressed to the level of that offensive staff needs them to. And I think Duggan is a guy who's really, really good. It's just he can only run for his life for so long. I mean, no one else could really do much at times with what he's dealing with from a pressure perspective. And I think, obviously, when you talk about TCU as well, the defense has been a little bit underwhelming. They went into the year with arguably the best safety duo in the nation in the preseason and easily in the conference. Garrett Wallow at linebackers a stud. They have a bunch of really good level players on the defensive line, like, like Corey Bethley, for example. And, and Noah Daniels, by the way, at cornerback in the early season was locked down. I mean, he was shutting down dudes left and right. And it, still, the Horn Frogs failed to meet the level of expectation that I think a lot of people put on them. So for me, I, I really did feel like going into the season, TCU is going to be a much bigger problem for the teams towards the top of the conference. But right now, I don't know that a lot of teams are really afraid of playing the Horn Frogs right now. And that's not necessarily something we typically say when we talk about a Gary Patterson-led unit. Let's go back to that Oklahoma State game real quick. Um, I feel like we didn't spend enough time on that. Um, Spencer Sanders going out, he was you know often on the field for pretty much the whole game. How much of an impact do you really think that that had? Because he, re- he really wasn't playing that well. I know Illingworth, you know, his numbers weren't pretty either. But, you know, in a grand scheme of things, how much did that really impact this this team? Because they've got the offensive weapons like we know with, with Hubbard and Wallace. So, uh, you know, did this really change anything? Or do you think that it's maybe a little closer if Span— not even this game, but, boy, around, you know, we look around the whole season. If Sanders is 100% healthy, do you think this is a much closer game? I think so, honestly. And I think it not only has to do with what Sanders had to deal with and what Oklahoma State had to deal with, but I think it has a lot to do with what Oklahoma was dealing with at the time because there was a stretch there where Oklahoma didn't score for four straight possessions. And everyone's kind of sitting there saying, okay, well, if the Cowboys really want to, they can make this a football game. Well, the problem is they can't, Mm -hmm. right? Because they have a young guy who's basically a statue back there trying to learn on the fly in this rivalry setting. And I think, look, Spencer Sanders gets a ton of slack, and, and I get it, right? He, he can be turnover prone. He doesn't always make the, the, the best plays for the team. But at the same time, he's a guy who really cares about the program. He's fiery. He's also athletic, and he has the arm talent to get the job done. Now, I, I feel like going into this game, if Sanders had been out there, right? I mean, I believe he finished 10 of 19 through the year. And obviously his legs can create in a way that not a lot of other quarterbacks in the conference can. And if Sanders is out there, you have to believe that he's going to be able to at least buy Oklahoma state a little bit more time, especially facing that OU defensive front, which was just completely wreaking havoc against that Oklahoma state offensive line that has struggled throughout the entirety of this season. So if Sanders is in there, man, I, I really do think that this could have been a better football game. Obviously, they're putting up more than like 160-something yards through the air. But I also feel like his leadership, what he means to the team, what he could provide with his legs as well, because, again, Illingworth just could not move. <laughs> it, it could really help Oklahoma State put up a fight in this game. And, and so, for me, it was it was really disappointing to watch Sanders sit on the bench and and know what he could have provided. Last thing for you, man, West Virginia coming up on Saturday for Oklahoma. Who do you like in this game? I believe it's, what, 10, 9 points right now for the spread. Do you think that they can cover if they win? What are your thoughts, man? Yeah, the biggest thing for me going into this is, okay, I, I really like the battle that's going to take place between Oklahoma's offensive line and West Virginia's defensive front. I mean, obviously – if and when the Steele brothers get going, then that front group for Oklahoma is going to have to make sure that they keep them off of Spencer Rattler's back. If that does happen, though, I mean, still, West Virginia has a unit that can make plays. And so this will be a really difficult challenge for OU's offense going up like a defense like that, one of the better ones in the conference and honestly in the country. Now, I also want to see how West Virginia's offense steps up because typically when these two teams meet, it's a lot of points on the board. I mean, I I can't remember what 
OUSID Mike Houck put out this morning. But basically, he was like, look, whenever the Mountaineers and Sooners play each other, it's basically a track meet. But in this game, it could be a little bit different because I, I don't know that a guy like Jarrett Dagey necessarily has the arm talent of some of the West Virginia signal callers of the past. I really like Letty Brown. I really like TJ Simmons as offensive playmakers. And there are some other guys on that roster for West Virginia who can make things interesting. But at the same time, that Oklahoma defensive front is going to come to play. And so if Daigie is not able to buy time and, and, and make sure he distributes the ball in a timely fashion, it's hard for me to see a scenario where West Virginia keeps up with OU's offense, if that makes sense. So I, I think Oklahoma is going to be able to cover the spread. They obviously didn't really hit the over against Oklahoma State, but they were able to cover against Oklahoma State, which I think that makes it about five straight games or something like that that they're able to cover. So going into this one, I do think it could be a, a pretty difficult challenge on the road, but I will favor Oklahoma at this time. And I see the Sooners moving on to a Baylor game and then hopefully for that program, another Big 12 championship opportunity. And you're thinking Iowa State for that opportunity? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, look, Iowa State has Texas on the slate still, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, look, the Cyclones and Longhorns, that's always a game that you circle. And I just – I always kind of lean Texas. But for some reason, again, I'm going to buy in the hype. And I know it's it's probably bad on my part. But I'm, I just <laughs> have a feeling about the Cyclones team right now. I love Brees Hall. I love some of those playmakers that Iowa State has. Like Xavier Hutchinson is a guy who came from Juco, who I think – kind of gets overlooked and obviously the tight ends that they have saner cole are huge bodies who can just make things happen it, iowa state's just kind of that team that if they can get out of their way offensively it's hard to keep up with them so if they can just get over that hurdle playing against texas then i see the cyclones and sooners meeting the title game and and man that would be a really fun matchup to watch so that's kind of where i have things standing moving forward well, there you have it. Colin Kennedy, man, thank you so much for uh, joining the show. Um, everyone, you know, be sure to check out everything he does over at OU Insider. If you are a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com, you've got access to everything they do over there. Colin does a great job. Um, Colin, thanks so much, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, really fun. Thanks again. Be right back here after a quick break for the second half of the show. We'll be talking some preview of next weekend's games as well as getting into our power rankings as we do every week here on the 10 of 12 podcast. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome back in here to the 10 of 12 podcast. I am your host, Ryan Gilbert. Second half of the show coming your way as we preview um, the upcoming games we've got coming up this weekend in the Big 12 Conference, as well as going through our power rankings as we do every show here. I'm kind of giving my reasons, my explanations, my arguments as to why I have the teams ranked the way they are um, in my latest 10 of 12 top 10, um, my power rankings of this league. So we'll get into those here real quick before we preview um, the upcoming games. We'll, we'll start it off here with Oklahoma. Um, I, I mentioned it earlier. I, I mean, I kind of made my argument already. Um, Oklahoma's just playing so good that I think it's undeniable um, to, I, you know, you, you can't deny what they're doing down there in Norman. I mean, I, I know that they have a worse record than Iowa State. In fact, they lost to Iowa State already up there in Ames, um, you know, like I mentioned, but Oklahoma's just playing the best football in the Big 12. There is no doubt about that. If Oklahoma and Iowa State play, um, if, if they play again here, I really would, would pick Oklahoma to win 10 times out of 10. Um, I think Oklahoma beats any team in the Big 12 by a few touchdowns whenever they are to play for the remainder of the season, no matter who that would be 
I think it goes without saying if Oklahoma plays K-State again, <laughs> um, the Sooners would win that game by probably half a million points. But, uh, you know, Oklahoma's playing the best football in the Big 12. I don't know if there's anything you could you can you can say to argue that other than what happened earlier in the season. As of right now, no one comes close to playing the way Oklahoma is playing. I know Iowa State won by 45 points. Okay, there's two things to that. Kansas State is not a good team anymore. Um, and K-State couldn't have played any worse, let's be honest here. I think if a majority of the teams in the Big 12 Conference would have beat K-State by probably at least two or three touchdowns. Did Iowa State beat them by more than that? Yes, they did, and, and give them credit for sure. But, I mean, K-State was not playing well, so I don't want to give Iowa State too much credit for that win, okay? I mean, you go back to the game before their bye week. I believe that was, was Baylor, where they were actually losing that game in the second half. Brock Purdy threw three picks in the first half, you know. So they've struggled here. Oklahoma is playing the best um, as of right now. Um, you know, no team in my mind even comes close. Iowa State, though, is in my second spot. They jump um, up a spot as well um, in this week's rankings. Um, you know, Iowa State played its best all-around game of the season on Saturday. We'll give them credit for that, like I said. But at the same time, um, you know, Kansas State really did struggle in that game. Um, so that's kind of one. That's kind of two. Iowa State is at number two. Oklahoma is at number one. Um, and then who was number three? Pardon me. Number three now is Oklahoma State. Um, and the Cowboys were at number one um, last weekend. And boy, was I pretty. Um, I was. I was almost tempted um, to, to to slip Oklahoma State back even after the win to Kansas State. I couldn't get myself to do it, and now I really wish I would have done. Um, wish I would have kind of slipped them back because Oklahoma State. I mean, I like them at number three right now, but not by a lot. I mean, Oklahoma State is pretty much a middle-of-the-pack team in the Big 12 at this point. I think that they're the best of that pack. I think that they've got a lot of you know potential. Um, they've got a lot of playmakers on the offensive side of the football. We, of course, you know, we all know that. Um, but their, de- I mean, their defense is good as well, but they're just not things aren't clicking. I think COVID might be the biggest issue for that, but things are not coming together for Mike Gundy's squad. Um, you know, they had those issues before the season started with regards to, you know, their players being unhappy with Coach Gundy. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I'm not saying it does at all, but I think it's it's worth mentioning that, you know, maybe it does. Maybe um, these players aren't happy or something like that. I don't know. That's not something I know enough about to, you know, make a, a call on, but Oklahoma State, number three, um, they're struggling. They're not the best team in the Big 12 like we thought they were. I mean, look at their schedule. They have not really looked good. <laughs> I mean, other than that Kansas State game, they pardon me, Kansas game, um, other than the KU game, they have not looked good. The Kansas State game, ugly. Um, West Virginia had more yards than them, I believe. You know, Texas beat them in Stillwater. They get blown out by Oklahoma. You know, this team, even the game against Tulsa was pretty ugly, so... Oklahoma State's not really that good of a team. I think we finally, finally, finally realized that on Saturday. You know, they had way too many close calls um, in in Oklahoma State's at at number three for me. Number four here is Texas. They're jumping up a spot. Um, um, You know, the Longhorns, they should be very well rested for that game coming up against Iowa State. That should be a lot of fun to preview here, Um, you know, in just a minute. But Texas, I mean, quite honestly here, Kansas State dropping so far back that, that, that they're going to jump um, them. So I like Texas at number four, even though they didn't play. They're rising up in our rankings there um, from last weekend. Um, another team that's rising as well, just simply a result um, from Kansas State's you know struggles is, is, is West Virginia. They're at number five now, um, and I th- you know West Virginia is really not that bad of a team. Um, Neil Brown really turned things around. Um, you know, this season. Chris Kleiman had an amazing first year at Kansas State, and now he's really taken a step back, okay? It's the exact opposite for West Virginia. Neil Brown really struggled for especially the first half of the first season that he had in Morgantown. But now the second half um, of that last season, you know, he got some wins strung together, and now the Mountaineers are 5-3, and 4-3 and three in the league. So, you know, they're playing well, and I like West Virginia at number 5. They've got a, a huge game against Oklahoma, um, if they want any chance at a Big 12 title. Um, 
it is a possibility, um, you know, by the numbers, by, you know, the scenarios, it's not impossible for West Virginia to actually get a spot in there. I don't think they're going to do such a thing because Oklahoma's just playing, you know, too well right now. But West Virginia is at number five. I like the Mountaineers. I like what they're doing. They've got a very solid defense um, in their offense. You know, they're running back with, with I mean, Brown and Deggie. They've got a good team out there um, in Morgantown. So I like them at number five. Number six here, Kansas State. They are dropping um, very fast in the rankings. Um, a 45-0 loss against Iowa State like we talked about here early on in the show. Um, hard to have them even in the top half of the rankings. So they're at number six here. Um, as I guess, I don't know if you can say that, that Kansas State is a member of the worst. I don't know if you can compare them with Tech and Baylor um, and TCU and, and Kansas. I don't I don't know if you can say that, but I don't think they belong at all with the best teams. You know, they're not a member of the Oklahoma, Iowa State, Texas, Oklahoma State crew. So, uh, you know, I think Kansas State's just kind of on an island. They're here in the middle. Um, I don't, you know, you can't classify them as a good team or a bad team. I mean, they're just kind of there. Um, they're kind of going through the, I mean, Against Iowa State, they were going through the motions. You know, they weren't really playing football. They were just kind of there and lackadaisical and just, eh, we'll play some football. So K-State's number six. I don't I don't expect anything else from them moving forward this season. They've been pretty disappointing as of late. Something really drastic is going to need to change against Baylor um, if they want a chance to win down there in Waco. Uh, number seven, I like Texas Tech here. Um, I don't the, – the bottom four teams here are unchanged. Um, so if you want any reasonings as to why these teams are where they are, um, I'd encourage you to listen to maybe one of the previous episodes, and I can kind of give my explanations on there. But, uh, you know, Texas Tech's still at number seven. Nothing's changing after a bye week. TCU, after a bye week at number eight, nothing's changing there. Baylor, um, number nine, after a bye week, of course, nothing changes with them. And Kansas, after a postponement, is at number 10. Nothing changes with them. I think the only thing that you can flip-flop or have a, a good argument to flip-flop is is Texas Tech and TCU. Um, you know, the Red Raiders are 2-5 and in the Big 12. TCU is 3-4. and four. They've got one more win than them. Um, but I, I just, you know, something in my gut tells me Texas Tech's a little bit better than TCU, largely largely because, um, you know, TCU's been so inconsistent this year. And, okay, I know Tech has been inconsistent as well, but, you know, TCU, it's been just, you know, night and day with they're, they're looking like one of the top teams in the league to looking at one of the worst teams in the league. So I like them at number eight, Tech at number seven. If you want to flip-flop them, I wouldn't have much of an argument, though. Um, I think it's kind of a toss-up there at number seven and number eight. But you've got uh, Baylor at number nine, KU at ten, and that is pretty much the rankings um, as we are in, what, now week 13 of, of, of college football. I, I can't keep track of the week numbers, man, with all these, you know, I feel like we didn't even start Big 12 football till what, week two or three. So um, we've got five games, knock on wood here, barring any cancellations, um, coming up, you know, five games coming up of Big 12 football. We've got Iowa State and Texas, um, 11 a.m. on ABC. Of course, that game is on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. And then you've got a game down there in Stillwater as Oklahoma State hosts Texas Tech. That one's on Fox at 11 a.m., and then we've got a long break before K-State and Baylor kick off at 6 o'clock on ESPN2. You've got West Virginia hosting Oklahoma, ABC 630 out there in Morgantown. And then to wrap out the night, you've got TCU and Kansas in Lawrence, 7 o'clock on FS1. We'll go down the line here chrono- chronologically, and it almost makes sense to just do that because Iowa State and Texas, I think, um, is probably the biggest game Um you know, this weekend in the Big 12, I think Oklahoma, West Virginia is up there as well. But, I mean, you've got two teams here that this is I, – I don't know if it's – and, of course, I, I'm not a numbers expert. I don't know how, you know, tiebreak – I'm not into that, um, you know, scenarios thing. But this feels like an elimination game for both teams, okay? If Texas can come out of here with a win, you would really like their odds to make a Big 12 title game. If, if Iowa State comes out with a win, I mean, they're in. I don't see a situation where – they don't get in. So, you know, this is the game of the year for both teams so far to this point. I know they've had big games. You know, Texas already played Oklahoma, so they had the Red River shootout. And, you know, they've had games. But this is 
um, a huge game for both teams. The line currently um, favors Texas by two points. Um, and I actually like the Longhorns in this game to come out of here with a win. Um, you know, Iowa State coming off a short week. I mean, Texas hasn't played. This will be on Friday. It'll be close to three weeks since they they have even had a football game. So Texas is going to be well-rested, okay? Iowa State coming off a short week, that does not help at all. I mean, you've got to think, okay, if this was a night game on Friday, then that would maybe not favor Texas as much as it being an 11 a.m. game on Friday. So, I mean, think about that. You know, K-State and Iowa State, they get they get wrapped up, and that game was a 2.30 game, so or maybe it was a 3 o'clock game. So, you, you know, you're banged up. I know they kind of got the reserves in there for the second half, but, I mean, you just don't have much time if you're Iowa State to not only prepare for, you know, Texas, but to get, you know, physically – rested, you know, for the Longhorns. So I like Texas in this game. They're the home team that always is, is a good thing. Um, you know, they're having fans down there in Austin um, to <laughs> to the best of my knowledge. But, you know, Iowa State, I think that, that honestly this game against Kansas State might trick some people. Um, you, know, you know, kind of the biggest tips that I've kind of gathered with, with, with placing bets on games or something like that is – you can't let a previous game determine, you know, what's going to happen next, okay? you got to look at this team as a whole and what they've done so far this season. Iowa State struggled, and of course Texas has struggled as well. But, you know, and going back to what I mentioned earlier here with the Kansas State game on Saturday that Texas, um, pardon me, that Iowa State had, you know, the Cyclones were, were focused singularly on Kansas State, right? And that shows you cannot deny that. They were ready for that game. They weren't looking ahead to Texas, which is good if you're an Iowa State fan on Saturday. But now coming up here on Friday, you know, I think that kind of shows that Matt Campbell and his squad, you know, maybe put a little bit too much time into um, the schematics, the X's and O's, um, the, you know, and analyzing Kansas State for that game on Saturday. So, you know, Texas has had a world of time to prepare for this football game against Iowa State. Iowa State, though, however, is coming off a short week, and I think it shows that they were probably didn't spend much time on Texas because they had K-State locked down, um, you know, had that thing down to a science <laughs> up against the Wildcats in, in Ames. So, I mean, I like Texas here. They're the home team. Um, I think the Big 12 officiating is going to favor Texas in this game, if I'm being honest. You know, if you're the Big 12, let's, let's be real here. Who do you want playing, representing your league in Dallas? in the Big 12 title game. Of course you want Texas. So I'm not saying the game is rigged for Texas, but if there's a call here, there's a call there that goes in favor of the Longhorns, you know, I would not be surprised one bit, um, you know, about that. And you look at the Big 12, man, just because Texas and Oklahoma aren't the best teams doesn't mean the league isn't good. It drives me crazy when people say that, um, you know, like look at Iowa State, or pardon me, look at, let's take Penn State or, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, those teams aren't doing good at all. Are we going to say the Big 12, the Big 10 is bad? No, because you've got good teams. Indiana's a very good team. Ohio State's a very good team up there. You know, Wisconsin impresses me, even though they lost to Northwestern on, on, you know, on Saturday. Each conference is not dictated by one or two teams. And just because Oklahoma and Texas lost two games early on in league play doesn't mean they're bad. So, um, and obviously it goes without saying now, like I've mentioned, Oklahoma's the best team in my mind at this point, so there goes your argument against the Big 12 being bad. But, you know, I think it's fair to say that, 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 that college football as a whole is, I wouldn't say down, but it's, it's been a lot more unpredictable um, with this COVID, you know, season. So I always like to say here, there's always one winner and there's one loser for every game. So I, I think it's kind of impossible for... A, a, a league or a NCAA or an, a, a conference or even, you know, it's impossible for, you know, a league to be down because there's one winner and there's one loser for every game, right? So at the end of the day, everyone's going to have the same, you know, when you add them all up, there's going to be, what would that be, 10 plus, I guess, 10 times 9. Is that 90 games? I don't know. 90 wins and losses, right? It's there's gonna it's gonna be ninety and ninety. That number is probably way off because I'm not good at math. You you, you get what I'm saying. There's going to be 
um, when you add up everyone's records at the end of the year, everyone's going to be 500 in the Big 12, right? So I don't know if you can necessarily say that it's a down year because, and, and this goes for COVID or not COVID, anytime. I don't see how any year is a down year because there is one winner and one loser for every game. Big 12 basketball is super competitive, right? I think that, you know, when you have teams like we've seen recently going to the NCAA tournament when they're 10 and 8 or 9 and 9 in the Big 12, you know, that shows you how deep that league is when they consistently can get, you know, over half of their league. We've seen eight teams from the Big 12 go to the Big Dance in years past, right? It doesn't matter how good your top teams are. It matters about the depth. And I think that it's it's unfair to say that the Big 12 is down this year. I think college football is not down. It's just been pretty unpredictable, of course, with what's going on in regard to, you know, the pandemic. So that's kind of all I got to say about Texas-Iowa State. I like the Longhorns to cover that two-point spread. They're the home team. You've got a short week if you're Iowa State. I think the Longhorns get it done there, down there um, in Austin. Let's flip the page here. Go to Saturday. We've got Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, 11 a.m. on Fox. Um, obviously, Oklahoma State, I like them to win this game. Um, I think that 10.5 points, though, is the current spread. That's a very good number. Um, you know, if, if it's 9.5, I'm rocking Oklahoma State all day long, right? But 10.5, just that one point, right around that, you know, you get 3 points, 7 points, 10 points, you know, 13, 14, you know, 17. Those common, you know, differences in football or what scare you as a better, right? So I, I still think Oklahoma State covers this game. Um, Spencer Sanders has got to play, though. He's got to be 100% healthy. We saw him against Oklahoma. He was not healthy. Illingworth, I, you know, I don't think he can really get it done. So you need a healthy team, but you've got Wallace, you've got Hubbard. I think Oklahoma State can get it done and cover the spread. However, I'm not too comfortable with it just because Texas Tech – you know, they can hang around here, garbage time touchdown, you cover the back door, right? So I think Texas Tech can probably keep this close for most of the game, but I would love to bet the over. Um, I actually do not know what the over-under is. I don't know if it's been posted, but um, I would love, you know, because Oklahoma State is, is up-tempo, 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 snapping the ball, 25, 30 seconds left on the play clock. Um, you know, Texas Tech, we know it's Texas Tech, right? High-powered offense, so... I like the over a lot in this game. If I had to pick one, I would pick Oklahoma State to cover that 10.5-point spread, of course. We do record these on Monday, so these are all subject to change. Um, and accordingly so, you've got to kind of adapt to um, these lines when you are placing your wagers um, heading into game time. Okay, I always like to go against the public um, You know, if there is a massive line change. Obviously, if there's COVID, you know, people out. If there's an injury, of course— you know, adjust that accordingly. But, you know, who's smarter here, Vegas or the public? I think Vegas is smarter. So if a line shifts a lot, I think you got to roll against the public. Um, I'm not not saying that's going to happen at all. That's just kind of a a Ryan Gilbert tip here um, if you are um, into into betting. So we'll move on here. Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. I like Oklahoma State to cover that 10.5-point spread. Um, but I'll be keeping an eye on that one. I'm not too confident in that one just because, you, you know, Oklahoma State really simply, you know, has been unpredictable and they've been inconsistent this year. So has Texas Tech. I like the over, but this one I might stay away from. If I had to choose one, though, I would roll with Oklahoma State. I think they're the better team down there in Stillwater. you got Baylor and in Kansas State, ESPN2, 6 o'clock down there in Waco. Um, Baylor's actually favored by five point five points in this game, and I like Kansas State to cover this. Um, in fact, I'd probably throw a little bit on the money line as well. I mean, Baylor's not good, okay? It's not necessarily that Kansas State's going to beat Baylor. It's that Baylor's going to beat Baylor, if that makes sense. You know, Baylor is not a good football team. I, I, I don't get it. I don't know why. Um, I know that the, 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 the ESPN matchup, you know, predictor also has Baylor winning this game. I don't get it. I really don't. Baylor's been pretty ugly this year um you know they came out sleepwalking through the first half of a few a few of their games you know this season I think it was the TCU game and the Texas game I could be wrong on those um I get it K-State's been ugly I totally get that the Wildcats I would have a lot of skepticism betting on this team but come on Baylor is not a good Baylor's not good so I would love K-State to cover this game 
Um, even if they were the favorite by five points, I'd still like Kansas State. Um, I don't understand this one at all. It doesn't make much sense to me. K-State, knock on wood, probably going to have a lot more players back this week um, than they had last weekend. Bradley Moore's got a week to get healthy. I like Kansas State to cover this one easy um, down there in Waco. I mean, they're simply playing a better football team. Baylor is, pardon me. K-State's playing a worse football team, I guess I should say, right? So I think K-State covers, man. Not much else I have to say. Even though they've struggled a ton this year, they're just a lot better than Baylor in pretty much all aspects of the game, okay? I like K-State to to cover that game, uh, win the game, uh, over-under. I think the under might be the play, but I haven't looked at that number, uh, what it's set at. So K-State's going to cover, though. I'm very confident with that one. Oklahoma and West Virginia, ABC 630 out there in Morgantown. Um, Oklahoma's favored by 11, and I think there's a lot of reason to buy in to West Virginia here. Oh, they're playing well. Neil Brown's got the program headed in the right direction. While I do believe all of that, and West Virginia has a very good defense, and they have weapons on offense that can compete with Oklahoma. While all that is true, I think Oklahoma's offense is simply too much for West Virginia. I like the the Sooners to cover that 11-point spread, um, even though they're on the road. They're on the East Coast. It's a long, you know, long haul out there to Morgantown. I like Oklahoma. They're head and shoulders above any other team in the Big 12, including West Virginia. So I think that the over is probably the play here just because Oklahoma's offense is, is, is so potent. Um, Rattler is impressing me week by week. He played well against uh, Oklahoma State. Um, West Virginia, a good team. I just don't see it happening. Oklahoma's going to cover this one. Um, out there in Morgantown, like I said, I, I love the, the reason to believe if you're you know West Virginia fan, but I like Oklahoma to get this one done out there in Morgantown. TCU in Kansas is the last game we ha- we have here, seven o'clock on FS1. Um, you, I, I'm gonna reach into my pocket here and and <laughs> flip a coin here. I don't know. I, I mean, TCU's been bad. KU's been very bad. So. I mean, really, I'd probably stay away from this one. Flip a coin, and you've probably got a better, you've got better odds than than listening to anything I have to say. We haven't seen Kansas in a few weeks. We haven't seen TCU since they lost 24 to six against West Virginia in Morgantown. So, I don't know. This one's tough. I'm probably gonna stay away. I like the under just because I don't see both teams scoring many points. If I had to pick, though, I'm gonna rock with Kansas. 24.5. Um, points is the spread. Uh, TCU is going to win this game. I don't get me wrong, but as far as the spread goes, I like Kansas. Um, I think that they can get it done. Um, you know, losing that game by less than 24 points is something that is possible. We like to talk about the warm weather teams heading up north for the cold weather games. Kansas has the advantage in this one, so I'm going to rock with Kansas hitter cover, even though I'm not confident with that. I think TCU is just it's very hard to be confident with their consistency this season in the Big 12 Conference. Um, that pretty much wraps things up for the show. I mean, I mean, we've got five games coming up Coming up, of Big 12 football. Should be a lot of fun to watch those teams. Um, you know, Special thanks to Colin Kennedy from OU Insider for hopping on the show. Um, always great to be talking with him, get his insights, get his knowledge on the Sooners. Um, you know, Kansas State, Iowa State, man, ugly game. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, a very good win for uh, the Sooners. That, that's pretty much it here. Um, real quick, be sure to follow us on Twitter at 10 of 12 podcast. I'd appreciate that very much. You can stay up to date with everything going on around the Big 12. Highlights, scores, updates, predictions, everything is there on Twitter at 10 of 12 podcast. Basketball season um, is here. So I think next week we'll probably get a little basketball um, involved as well. I, I just don't, I mean, we haven't seen a single game yet. We could do some previews, but for the meantime, let's just talk football. Um, hopefully hopefully you will tune in next week, though. I mean, basketball is kind of my I, – I love basketball, and don't hate me for this. I love basketball more than I love football um, in regards to the college you know, aspect of it. I love NFL. Um, nothing tops that. But college basketball is, is, is one of my favorites. I love it. Um, if, if, you've, if you've enjoyed these football podcasts, you'll, you're, you're certainly going to enjoy um, the basketball ones as well. Um, we get into a lot of great topics 
um, around the Big 12 Conference. So that's pretty much it here for today's show. We'll catch you next week, and thank you so much for tuning in. And everyone, uh, have, a, have a great Thanksgiving. Um, hopefully you're staying safe out there. Um, if you're traveling, you know, around your, around your family, hopefully you can use this time um, and, 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 you know, and really just enjoy yourself. I know I've been grinding hard um, ever since, you know, August here at Kansas State. I'm a senior studying journalism. So, I mean, I haven't had a break literally since August. So it's good to kind of unwind, give yourself some time off and enjoy your time with the family. Um, and we'll catch you next week, everyone. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.